Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Joe. Welcome back. If you're here for the first time, welcome. We're so happy to have you. To get the podcaster stuff out of the way, remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you do your listening. You can find us on social media. Our Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok are all at Pro Book Nerds. If you'd like to send us an email, reach out with suggestions or requests, you can send that to professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. With all of that out of the way, Emma, hello. Hi, Joe. Today, we are going to talk about our TV red lists or our TBRs, which I know you and I oft love to do. We do. We like live and die by the TBR. We really do. And we are like assassins of the to be read lists of other people, often adding way too many more books every every episode. But today we're doing this a little differently. Instead of just talking about what we're reading next or what's going on, we hopped into Miss Goodreads and we pulled the highest and lowest rated titles on our to be read list. We've got 10 titles to share with you each today from the top and the bottom of the list. No, this is an interesting thing. In my opinion, I feel like as bookish folks, we love to get into the behind the scenes of how people figure out what they're reading, how they track their sort of TBR. So I know both of us have different methods, which might be fun to share. Yeah, we have very different methods. So Emma, why don't you start us off? Because I think yours is maybe a little more standardized compared to my chaos realm. (laughs) That's a kind way of putting it. So my general TBR list is twofold. Actually, it's threefold (laughs) now that I'm thinking about it. So the first one is utilizing Goodreads or a similar tool, StoryGraph, or any of those other items to track things digitally as I come across them. Goodreads, is kind of one that I know most people use. And so it's definitely a go-to sort of in the book community just to check and see like what the details are, what people are reading, ratings, whatever. So I do utilize Goodreads. The way I use my Goodreads want to read is a little bit hodgepodge because I'm also cognizant of not putting too much on my want to read list because I can at times feel overwhelmed. Why? I don't know. But you know, and so I combo it. I use the Goodreads want to read feature. I use tags in Libby to keep track if I want to come back to something, but I'm not ready to borrow it yet, or I'm not ready to put it on hold because then inevitably everything comes in at once and I have 40 books all available. And then the last method for TBR is obviously my physical collection of books. As you may or may not have seen on our Instagram and social media, we 
are blessed to get sent a lot of books. So I do have a book cart that sort of acts as my like rolling, pay attention to these books for both books that I purchased myself. And then books we get sent, I have a sort of a system of sorting. Uh, so that I'm like, that's a three prong approach <laughs> to how I sort of figure out what I want to read. And then I'm a mood reader. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's all to heck. All to heck. And I just read something else entirely. So that's the, the thing about like your list, what you're sharing today is you could open Goodreads yes. and sort it by highest to lowest and, and actually pull a, a solid representation of your TBR yeah. in one place. Uh, so you probably followed the prompt I created more correctly than I did <laughs> uh, because I just picked 10 titles that have been on my various and then put them in the order based off of the Goodreads ratings. But my, what is what does my tracking look like? Yeah, well, what is tell us? Tell us what it consists of. It's a lot of chaos, I think, <laughs> because so handful of things. First, I am a hundred percent with you on the book cart because I stole that idea from you. Um, or you gave me that idea and then I bought the same book cart you have. And I do the same thing. So my the top shelf is all of my author interviews and they've got post-it notes on like when I have to read them by. And then the second shelf is just the kind of like, oh, I walked into my physical, like my in my home library and pulled some books that I have been meaning to read either for forever or I just bought them and I'm really excited to read them next. And then that bottom shelf is kind of the like, they were on the second shelf, but they keep getting pushed down. So that's kind of one way. And that cart lives in my living room. And I often walk by and I go, okay, good. It's time to pick this one up. I think my biggest is Tags in Libby. I am much like you, a mood reader. So I have tags for kind of my chief moods as far as there's a lot of, there's a specific thriller tag. There's a specific like YA horror tag. There's a horror, you know, like I break it all up by genre. And then I share and like, I kind of pull from those depending on what I'm feeling on. And then I also have like a, just a, a one for the year. So I have a 2023 TBR and I'll pop books from the podcast. If it came from your list, if it came from a rec from someone else at work, like I pop those in. And then the last and maybe most chaotic is my brain. There there were books on this list originally that have been something I've been meaning to read since I was a child. And I knew I was too young to understand the book, but I planned to read it later. So some of those are in a notes app. Some of those are just in a section of my bookshelf that are like, these are the books you know you haven't read yet and you've been meaning to I think if I actually put my full TBR into Goodreads, I would probably have some lower ratings as well. I don't have anything that breaks or that goes lower than three. I will also say big caveat for me, when we joined the podcast, you encouraged me to kind of like reconnect with Goodreads, which I had signed up when it opened and then kind of abandoned immediately. And so my goal now is to become a Goodreads girly and get all of my TBR in one place or to, you know, maybe tunnel down to just two of those options of book cart and Goodreads and Libby, you know. Yeah, but I, well, no, but I think what's interesting is like, there are all these different tools and methods that you can use 
for all of the purposes or like for a singular purpose. So like I mostly use Goodreads to track what I've read. Oh, like that's, I write it down. Yeah. Right. Where you write it down. And so the things I add like to my Goodreads want to read and anything else like to me, that's like extra. Yeah. And I've just been using it for so long to track what I've read that, I mean, for however many years I've been using this, then like it's built up kind of a sizable TBR. That makes sense. But I mean, right. So you could certainly utilize it however you want to. Definitely. And so that's why kind of like, I think walking in today, I knew I was going to be pulling random books and seeing where they rated and fall and flopping them into this list. But I think it's so cool that you could look at a giant thing that already exists in there and kind of like, there are two ways to arrive at our destination and we each took one of them. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it's certainly going to be unique to any reader. And then part of it as well is like we work in an industry in a company that's very book centric. So a lot of this as well for me, at least when I joined Overdrive, was another means of connecting with colleagues and other professionals on Goodreads just to just to be kind of like part of the community. And in my opinion, being someone's Goodreads friend is a little less although maybe not revealing than friending them on other social media. <laughs> right. I, I agree. It's also really interesting because I'm once you said that, I was thinking about when you work at most places, you have like one or two coworkers that you might chat books with. We have a building full of that. So this can be like, it can be very easy to get Rex from across the universe at Overdrive. Absolutely. And I do find that a lot of the people I am friends with on Goodreads are our colleagues here at Overdrive. And so it is just fun to see what folks are reading on Goodreads. They'll have rated something. They'll like update their status. And then I know there've been a couple of instances where then like we'll reach out and chat to each other. Like, oh, I saw you read this series, what did you think? And so on. So that's always really fun as well. You and I also have very different approaches to how books come into our lives. I think you are very aware of what's coming next. You are on the release radar. Whereas I'm like, a book could fall in my lap today. I'm like, I guess this is now the top of my to be read list because this, you know, like hit the right vibe in the moment. So I, I think it's also interesting of like, I, just read holes what holiday time last year after having it been on my tbr since it came out so it's uh we're in we're an odd blend i like to say evenly balanced <laughs> yes, <laughs> like you're right we com- evenly balanced. compliments we compliment we <laughs> if one of us if one of us goes the uh, one direction the other is there to just keep us in balance and give everyone a little bit of something good to enjoy i wanted to take a moment because we just looked at all of the different like reviews on our list and we were seeing that some books that aren't even out yet have rankings that we know there might not even be arcs in the streets yet no one is reading advanced copies yet or there are big differences on platforms. Do you want to take a moment and talk about review bombing? Yeah. So that's, I think, been a big thing, especially with the the prominence of Bookstagram and Book Talk, mm-hmm. where um, 
you know, if something is not to anyone's liking or on the flip side, if it's highly anticipated, folks will go on and rate a book or review a book on Goodreads or any other sources before uh, the book comes out. Uh, We've, I just, I feel like with this happens quite a bit, um, just depending I I think the the key thing there is like right highly anticipated you don't see like you see those instances of review bombing if a business does something that people don't like and then people come in and they review it negatively or they review it um highly if they're in favor of what decision they made you know like and it's people who might not even live in that state have never been there and they go wild for it but I think the thing to me that is most interesting that I've discovered on Goodreads recently is that if it is an author that you love, you love all of their books, you've been eagerly awaiting this new edition in the series, people will sometimes like preemptively rate it. They'll come in and be like, I'm expecting this to be four and a half stars based on all the books in the series plus how the last one made me feel. And then they'll write that out. And then later they'll come in and edit it and be like, updating this to X stars This is Mm -hmm. why spoilers below. And that concept is so fascinating to me because this is like a, this is a type of social media that we don't see exist in any other space really. Right. I know Letterboxd does it as far with like the movie side that people will go in and edit their reviews, but it's not so much the like preemptive five stars. It's more the like, I watched it again or this thing happened, you know. Exactly. And I do think it's really interesting. I personally am of the camp that I do not rate something that I haven't read. Even if it's highly anticipated, even if I could guarantee that I'm going to like it, I don't rate something that I haven't read because that for me doesn't make sense in the way that I use Goodreads. Yeah. For the same reason, though, because of the way in which readers utilize Goodreads, <laughs> we will specify Goodreads is not a place for the authors. No, it's not for the authors. It's really not. It's for the readers. And so I, but I think the way that readers utilize Goodreads, you're either looking to seek like the validation that if you didn't enjoy something, there are other people who didn't enjoy it. And if you loved it, you want to find that community of other people that loved it. But in order to do that, I feel like you should, in my opinion, have the context to to rate, to review, and so on. So if that is receiving an early copy and you've read it early and you can rate it, cool. I don't particularly care for the practice of rating things positively or negatively um, if you haven't read it ahead of the release. Emma, how do your star rankings break down? (laughs) Uh, so five stars is incredible. Knocked me out of the park. Best thing I've ever read. Made me feel all the feels well-written. So examples of five-star reads for me would be things like Happy Place by Emily Henry, A Court of Mist and Fury by Sarah J. Mass. Um, but not all of the Sarah J. Mass books, even though you love the series. Correct. Okay. Cause I know like my one friend, it, it's like impossible to give a five, like three is the, the benchmark that as long as it was readable and enjoyable, it's likely a three. If it's a four, it had like a little bit more. Um, but then five is reserved for like 
favorites of all time or if it became a favorite upon reading or rereading. So you, you are like in, you are discriminate in that like, I am. <laughs> if book one is a four, it stays a four. But if book two is a, a five, it's a five. Yes. And I think I've become more discriminant as I've continued to use Goodreads. I will say one of my hangups about Goodreads is that you can't do half star reviews. I wish you could. And so I do like StoryGraph for that purpose. Uh, so you can do like three. I think you can even do quarters. It's like 3.25, 3.75 or whatever. I will say four stars is really good, solid, not like the most perfect of reads, but still a really, really good recommendation. Three is fine and kind of where I end up defaulting because I really, I I don't want to be mean. <laughs> yeah. Is how I feel doing that. But three is a really good solid book for me twos I kind of default to twos if I feel like one is too mean um and if it's one star I don't I don't even rate it if it's one star I don't bother rating it at all yeah I think for me if it is one or two stars I likely dnf to the book so I'm not going to go in and rate it on either count if I have given something a one or a two star it did mean I finished it and I'm angry that I took the time to finish it is likely is likely the rating. I'm shook at what I've rated one star. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I think that's a good approach too. Like if you didn't enjoy it or you did like, yeah, that's another thing. You don't have to finish it. Right. I'm um, in a, I'm in that era where I won't finish a book if I don't want to. I'm a little bit of a martyr and I'll like. I'll, I'll try to like skim to the end, but it depends on how much I've invested into it. If it's like I've read 50 pages and it's like a 400 page book, I'm not going to, but if I've read yeah. most of it, then it's like, oh, I'll just kind of skim or, or see how this ends. I, if I am 10 pages in or like 20 minutes into the audiobook and I don't want to keep listening, it's over. If it's a popular one and people keep saying, have you read this? You need to read this. I will uh, try the audiobook again, speed it up a little bit, and then perhaps DNF a second time. But wow, we are quite a bit into our recording and we've just been chatting so far. <laughs> so I guess we should dive into our titles. Yeah. What is your highest rated on your TBR? So... Given the way that publishing and book trends have gone this summer, this shouldn't surprise anybody, but the highest rated book, but I do think this is interesting because it is not out yet and it does not come out for many more months, is Iron Flame by Rebecca Yaros. This has 4.79 stars on Goodreads. That's so high. (laughs) So high. Like, are arcs even out? No, and I don't even know if they're doing arcs because, I mean, do they even need them at this point? So, almost yeah. 4.8. Almost 4.8. No copies in anyone's hands. No, it's just the hype. It does have 288 ratings and it already has 129 reviews on Goodreads. Uh, so, again, that's certainly sort of building that hype, that anticipation 
a lot of people have shelved it, you know, as want to read, but they have included, you know, I do kind of appreciate it, but again, it's a different way than I use Goodreads where people mm-hmm. are commenting on, you know, can't wait for the cover. It's beautiful. That cliffhanger or that ending or that whatever. Um, so again, it's just sort of more of a community-based way to interact. Whereas I, I usually only use the rating and reviews for things I've read just because it's the way I track. But so if you've been uh, hiding or social media lists for the last several months, you may not know what Iron Flame is about. It is the sequel to The Fourth Wing that has sort of taken over as the book of the summer. There is no description on this yet because it is recently announced. And so, yeah, it's just the sequel. So if you want uh, romance and fantasy dragons, uh, come back for Iron Flame in November. But that's my highest rated. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now as I'm going into my first, my highest rated title, this is where, you know, it really shows that you have more of an established list versus me pulling from several many places. But this is the book that is that I'm waiting for on my notify me tag in Libby. So shout out to that. I recommended this title for my library to purchase. This is Tweaker World by Jason Yamas. This is a memoir that came out um, in March this year, and I've been, you know, kind of waiting in the wings to snag a copy somewhere and give it a read or a listen. Uh, it's super fascinating to me. It's an LGBTQIA plus memoir that follows Jason, a college-educated documentary film producer, and one of San Francisco's top drug dealers. After his life in L.A. falls apart, he moves to Berkeley with his kid brother for a fresh start. What started as an Adderall addiction became an out-of-control crystal meth binge. Within weeks, he's deep in the Bay Area drug scene, and soon he's become a dealer on the pretense of researching this tweaker world for a project that will carry him back to a normal life. Jason's personality carries him to the top of the scene, and suddenly he's in control of the entire crystal meth market for San Francisco's gay community. As his family and friends frantically work to steer him toward recovery, Jason resists chasing something else, a sleepless nirvana fueled by sex, drugs, and the tweaker world. Um, Not only is this the highest on this list that I have pulled together for today's episode, but it's also like one of the newest titles on my list. I became aware of this in May. So just recently did it like hit my radar as I was looking around for things. While I can't relate, I'm really curious to understand this kind of perspective and this like world that follows the club scene specifically in the Bay Area gay community. So it is a 4.54 on Goodreads with 118 reviews. And it's a 4.6 on Amazon with 38 ratings. Like I said, I added it uh, in May of this year to my TBR, and it came out in March of this year. Uh, Interesting trend, and I think we'll speak on this in a little bit, that Amazon is always a little bit, if not a lot bit higher than Goodreads ratings. Yeah. And what I think is interesting too, for both of us is that our highest rated titles for both of our lists are relatively new. Like the newest, yeah. The newest ones, if not, not yet released. So that's interesting as well. Yeah. And considering I initially had some titles on here that were from like 2001 that were in third or fourth place on my list. Wild. 
The second highest rated title on my want to read list is All My Rage by Sabah Tahir. I'm pretty sure I've talked about this book on the podcast before. This is a young adult coming of age novel. It won the National Book Award in 2022. It won the Michael L. Prince Award 2023. It was on the Goodreads Choice Awards list. So this book has certainly made, I think, the bookish world rounds. It came out in March of 2022, I believe. But that had a 4.5 star rating on Goodreads. And the date that I added this to my TBR was October of 2021. So that would have been about six months prior to release, which means that I saw this title on one of our publisher presentations as a one to watch. And so I added it onto my list and annoyingly, I still haven't read it yet. Still haven't read it yet. It was a national book award winner in 2022. Mm -hmm. Oh, And um, I know it was highly regarded by a lot of our colleagues here at Overdrive. They really loved it. It was, I think, one of their favorite books of last year. So it's definitely at the top of my want to read list in general, but then also because of the very high ratings. It also had a lot of ratings on Amazon. And again, I do think that added exposure of you know winning awards certainly puts it back into people's minds since it came out over a year and a half ago, a year and some change, not quite a year and a half. My next pick is A Haunted Road Atlas, Sinister Stops, Dangerous Destinations, and True Crime Tales by Christine Schieffer and M. Schultz. They host the And That's Why We Drink podcast. I I love the podcast. Uh, Christine is from and currently lives in Cincinnati. Uh, so also love to support a local author or an Ohio author, Cincinnati, if you consider that local, it's like three hours from here, but hey, uh, I, I love their podcast. I listen to them every week and the podcast format, they share a paranormal tale and then a true crime story. And they've got a lot of great banter. Their episodes are nice and long. So if you have a road trip, one or two might get you through the ride. Um, But this was their first book. It came out in May of 2022, and it is exactly what it sounds like. It's a road atlas uh, where they want you to pack up your Ouija board and squirt guns full of holy water. We're going on a road trip. So this is an interactive travel guide from our hosts to spooky and sinister sites. The world is a scary place, and that's why we drink. So it's got fun illustrations, fun facts, travel tips, and beverage recommendations. Uh, It includes some of the country's most notorious crime scenes, hauntings, and supernatural sightings. You'll also find Em and Christine's recommendations to the best local bars and ice cream parlors, oddity museums, curiosity shops, and more. So my hope is to sneak in a little haunted road trip this summer uh, as my summer starts to wind down and maybe pick a few stops from this. Uh, So this was released in May of 2022. And then I became aware of it, you know, like a few months prior when they were promoting it on their show. So we'll say like February, March of the same year. It is currently rated 4.18 on Goodreads, but it has a 4.8 on Amazon. And this one I found very interesting because Goodreads had 865 reviews where Amazon had 710. So they were very similar in quantity of reviews. Usually like all of the other ones Em and I have looked at, 
you've got like a ton of reviews on Goodreads and that's where the the lower ratings usually come from. But these are so similar. I'm guessing because this is more of like a a travel guide or it's it's like a novelty compared to your typical book. Is that fair? I don't know. I'm thinking of the like the influencer how-to guides that were really popular in the 2010s. And I could see those being rated similarly because they don't necessarily read like a narrative, but yeah. So I'm super excited to check this one out. I picked up a copy from the book loft in German village when I was visiting Columbus. That sounds so good. I think it's fun. Like who doesn't love an interactive experience? And I really enjoy their show. And it's always nice when you can support like the people you enjoy. My third highest rated book on my want to read list is Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. I will say this is admittedly a book that's probably outside my normal reading wheelhouse kind of a thing, but it's so popular. (laughs) I had to cut this one from mine because it's, it was on all of my, on all of my lists with these other books, but yeah, same it's, as yours. It's so popular. So this book came out in 2021 and it looks like I added it to my TBR May of 2022. I think I saw one of my favorite sort of bloggers, influencers I had read and recommended this. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll add it to my list. And what shocks me about this book, it has a 4.52 star rating on Goodreads as the average. It has 444,000 ratings. It has 56,000 reviews. So for it to be so highly rated with that sort of scale Mm -hmm. to me says that people are really enjoying this book. And so worth checking out. It's sci-fi space fantasy by Andy Weir. This follows Ryland Grace. He's the sole survivor on a desperate last chance mission. And if he fails, humanity and the earth itself will perish. So just low stakes here. And except right now, he doesn't know that. He can't even remember his own name, let alone the nature of his assignment or how to complete it. All he knows is that he's been asleep for a very, very long time. And he's just been awakened to find himself millions of miles from home with nothing but two corpses for company. His crewmates dead, his memories fuzzily returning, Ryland realizes that an impossible task now confronts him. Hurtling through space on this tiny ship, it's up to him to puzzle out an impossible scientific mystery and conquer an extinction-level threat to our species. And with the clock ticking down and the nearest human being light years away, he's got to do it all alone, or does he? So just a few stakes. Low stakes. Just low stakes. No Um, stress. No stress. So I think that's probably why, to to be honest, I have not read this yet. Because one, it's not in my normal wheelhouse. And two, because those feel very stressful in terms of stakes. And I mostly read to not be stressed. (laughs) So Definitely. definitely. Um, definitely want to check this out, but I think that, uh, it hasn't struck the mood yet. Joe, I'm excited to talk about your next one. My next one is just a little series y'all might've heard of called 
City of Bones by one Cassandra Clare. (laughs) I remember these books from high school. A few of my friends were obsessed with them. I just never got around to it. So they've been on my radar since, well, I guess realistically I put them on my TBR in November last year because I had just watched the movie with a group of my friends. And I was like, okay, I've seen the movie. I want to understand the series. Uh, So I was aware of them back in the day, and I could probably say my mental TBR there on there longer, but my current TBR was adding these November of last year. But the original book, City of Bones, came out March 27th, 2007. It is rated 4.08 on Goodreads with 1,928,514 ratings. Uh, which is a bonkers number of ratings. So many ratings. It's so many ratings, but 4.08 on Goodreads, 4.5 on Amazon, but Mm -hmm. significantly less uh, ratings, uh, 23,000 to be exact. It's got a a 96% thumbs up on Google, three out of five on Common Sense Media, 4.5 on Barnes and Noble, and uh, five stars out of five on Target, but to be fair, there is only one review on Target.com. So take that one with a grain of salt. Uh, But if you are unaware of this series, uh, irresistibly drawn toward a group of demon hunters, Clary encounters the dark side of New York City and the dangers of forbidden love. That is your quick hot take. Um, And Emma has just so kindly let me know that there are exclusive editions just announced from Fairy Loot and now, oh no, I might need to own them. <laughs> I, I, they're, yeah. So these books are also sort of casually on my to be yeah. read, but they're they're admittedly not on any of my formal to be reads because <laughs> I don't know. They are. This is very much on my formal to be read list, like in a tag waiting to go. But I think I own some of these books. Is what's funny. Really. I feel like I vividly remember the jackets, but. Yeah. Now I'm going to have to track them down to see if I, I'm pretty sure I own some of these books. (laughs) So if you want to read them. (laughs) I mean, we might need to read them. Uh, Listeners, this is a popular YA series. So if you are still, if we haven't given you enough popular YA series, because that seems to be the only one of the challenges I bring up. Uh, this would fulfill that brief on the PBN reading challenge. So if you're still looking for a, a YA series you haven't read yet, maybe this is one of them. Emma, number four. Number four. Number four is a a, a wild card for me a little bit, I think. Okay. Uh, number four on my highest rated is The Final Empire. So this is the Mistborn series book one by none other than Brandon Sanderson. It has 4.47 stars on Goodreads. And I mean, this is not a new book by any means. This first came out in 2006. And I know that the Mistborn saga is sort of a staple in the fantasy space. It's just not 
the type of fantasy space that I currently inhabit. And so one of our coworkers recommended this, who he's been on a couple of episodes, uh, Quentin. He is sort of one of our go-to fantasy recommenders. And this is sort of a classic, if you will, in the fantasy space. And so it has over 600,000 ratings, 44,000 plus reviews, which is again, like a huge amount of ratings and reviews on Goodreads. And yeah, I'm interested in, in checking it out. I don't really read a lot of like epic high fantasy. I We know I kind of steer more towards the fantasy romance YA fantasy realm. So I think this is like wheelhouse adjacent uh, and, and why it's sort of on my TBR. I was going to give a summary, but the names in here uh, are going to make me embarrassed because we're recording this after a, ho- a holiday and um, no, but if you're interested in, again, that high fantasy, epic fantasy, and what I think I'm interested in checking out with this series is that graphic audio did some editions of the Mistborn saga. And so I think that is probably where I will check out this series because I love everything that graphic audio does. That would be a really cool way to get into it, especially with, like you said, the high fantasy of it all. Exactly. Joe, what about you? What is your fourth? So number four is The Boys, the start of the series. Uh, Volume one is The Name of the Game. This was published March 28th, 2007. I added it to my TBR, uh, December of 2022. I watched the show and was immediately like, oh, there's a graphic novel that this came from. Guess I better read it. And I kept checking it out. And then I would get distracted by like whatever was the bigger mood read. So I think now that I'm in summertime, uh, it's going to be graphic novel time in a little bit here. I'm going to do some some comic book reading. But if you are unaware of the boys, either the series or uh, the, the show or the series, it's a world where costumed heroes soar through the sky and masked vigilantes prowl the night. Someone's got to make sure the soups don't get out of line. That someone is Billy Butcher. Um So yeah, it follows a motley crew of people who, I I guess, neutralize superheroes when they get out of line. Probably the best way to put it. Um, All I know is that if you have watched the show and you feel like the show is dark, the comic book is darker. So I'm just going to like blanket statement uh, across the board there that like everything in this is supposed to be like, if the show is already dialed to 11, this is like a 26. So keep that in mind. Um, but yeah, that is by Garth Ennis. And Derek Robertson is the illustrator. You know what I'm going to mention just because I can. <laughs> what? Jensen Ackles is in the boys TV show. The Winchesters. I would, be, I would be lying if I said that wasn't a strong part of why I watched it. The well and Chase Crawford. I was gonna say, who's the guy from Gossip Girl? Yeah, Chase Crawford. Neil, what Arsh- is wrong with us? Um, see, th- you know, there are those moments where we're each on one side of the scale, and then there are those moments where we're in the middle. Yeah, where <laughs> our Venn diagram is Chase Crawford and Jensen Ackles. Yeah, I said Neil Archibald. I would like to clarify that I know it's Nate Archibald and Gossip Girl. Thank you. Um, but I forgot that this was based on obviously a graphic novel. 
I am intrigued, but I don't know if I'm in the mood for something that dark. Yeah, there's a part of me that's like, I really enjoyed the show and, Mm -hmm. or I enjoyed it in bits. I definitely needed breaks from it. Um, I think I would like to know what's coming ahead of time. And so if it's being faithful to the books, then I think I would enjoy knowing that ahead of time. Um, It's got a 3.99 on Goodreads right now with just under 18,000 reviews. Uh, But then comparatively on Amazon, it's got a 4.6 and a 4.5 on Apple Books. Wow. Yeah. So, So much lower on Goodreads. I did not dive into any of the reviews to see why it was lower, but now I'm, I'm curious because that is quite a, quite a shift. Yeah. So what is uh, the lowest of your highest? How about number five? (laughs) So rounding out the top five books on my TBR is Legend Born by Tracy Dion. This has a 4.39 star rating on Goodreads. It has over 100,000 ratings and over 20,000 reviews. This book came out originally in the fall of 2020 and has been on my TBR since it came out pretty much. And I know that this book is going to be so good. And I think for me, I've sort of placed it in that I'm not ready for it to be so good kind of a camp. So I will absolutely get to this when I'm ready to commit to it and, and be sort of taken through all of the emotions. But this was a Locust Award nominee, Los Angeles Book Prize nominee. Like this book, and rightfully so, has received quite a lot of recognition and, and nomination. And so this is a young adult fantasy romance. It's a retelling, I think, of like Merlin and King Arthur. Mm-hmm. If uh, if memory serves, and so this follows a sixteen year old Brie Matthews. After her mother dies in an accident, Brie wants nothing to do with the family memories or her childhood home. And there's a residential program for bright high schoolers at UNC Chapel Hill that seems like the perfect escape. Until Brie witnesses a magical attack her first night on campus. So again. We're already setting the stage. This book has everything I love. It has teens. It has magic. It has, you know, some things we're overcoming. It has like a college campus boarding school type of setting. (laughs) We love all of these things. (laughs) We love all of that. Um, So there's a flying demon feeding on human energies, a secret society of so-called legend born students that hunt the creatures down and a mysterious teenage mage who calls himself a Merlin and who attempts and fails to wipe Bree's memory of everything she saw. Um, he fails to wipe her memory and it unlocks Bree's own unique magic and a buried memory of a hidden connection. So the night her mother died, another Merlin was at the hospital. Now that Bree knows that there's more to her mother's death than what's on the police report, she'll do whatever it takes to find the, out the truth, even if that means infiltrating the legend born as one of their initiates. So again, like so many cool elements here. She has like an ally. They have a little bit of a reluctant partnership. Um, it's sort of the legend born are descendants of King Arthur's knights and court, and there's sort of a magical war brewing. So 
This is the start of the Legendborn series. There is the second book, Bloodmarked, that came out in 2022. That's also on my list. So yeah, I can't wait to read this. I say that even though I obviously haven't read it yet. I'm just, I know it's going to be mm-hmm. so good and I'm not ready for it. <laughs> uh, no, I'm with you. I'm like, well, that's now my number five because <laughs> it just bumped my, li- it just made it onto my TBR. That sounds so good. Yeah. It's so, so, so good. So, oh, Joe, what is your final top rated book? So my final top rated book is Before We Disappear by Sean David Hutchinson. This has 3.88 on Goodreads out of just under 3,500 reviews. It's also got 4.5 on Amazon, but significantly less reviews there. Um, So very interesting to see that like Amazon skews higher overall, which I think of like when I'm leaving reviews on Amazon, I'm usually angry. (laughs) So surprised to see that they have more positive reviews, especially for books. Uh, But this book was released in September, uh, September 28th, 2021. And I threw this on my TBR in November of 2021. It is going to catch both of us with the first few words of the description right here. Star-crossed romance about the magic of first love. So who needs more than that? We've got Jack, a tricky, morally flexible assistant to the Enchantress, one of the most well-known stage magicians in turn-of-the-century Europe. Jack's thievery catches up with them, and Jack and the Enchantress have to flee to America. They make it to Seattle's Alaska Yukon Pacific World's Fair Exposition, where they've got sold-out shows to perform. They're going to make it rich, uh, that is, until a new magician arrives on the scene, and Jack must use his thievery to steal tricks from this new magician, or from his assistant, Wilhelm. Wilhelm, who he has an instant connection with, and seems to be able to perform real magic. Can Jack choose between the woman who gave him a life and the boy who is offering him everything? This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So sounds great to me. <laughs> this sounds fantastic. And I have to comment on the gorgeous cover as well. The cover is stunning. You know me, a cover will get me every time. And that's almost enough to end up on my TBR. But paired with a description like that, I'm into it. So now is the part where we have to switch to our lowest rated. So Emma, what is, uh, I guess we'll start off I know we just started with the, or I know we started with the highest of our TBR, but now I want to start with like, what's the the highest low? What? <laughs> yeah. We're going to work our way to 
to the, the lowest of, of low. Yeah. I will say for caveat for some of these ones, personal opinion. Mm-hmm. And um, also, I do think for some of these books, they may or may not have benefited from the attention or the exposure. Yeah. And so the highest rated uh, low book on my Goodreads is The Jet Setters by Amanda Ear Ward. This has 3.09 star rating, which I personally think is a good rating. So as a side note, um, this is just sort of in terms of the ranking on, on my want to read. This was published in March of 2020. It has, again, that 3.09 stars on Goodreads. And I believe this was added to my want to read because I actually own the physical. Pretty sure I bought it at a library sale. And so I had added it to my physical shelf on Goodreads and it sort of automatically adds them to other shelves, I think. And this one has 49,633 ratings, over 3,000 reviews. This is sort of a story that follows the nest and the vacationers. So it's like a family contemporary uh, romance style of book. It has a very, I would say, of the last few years trend kind of cover, that sort of animated, beachy-tastic vibe. And this is where I think the Goodreads ratings are fully subjective because this book was a Reese book club pick. It was one of the best beach reads of the year uh, by Parade, Oprah Magazine, and Good Housekeeping. So I do think that um, that sort of falls into that coin of the more exposure you get, the more open you are, obviously, to people loving it or hating it. And I think that this book... Uh, may have been subjected to that uh, in terms of why it's lowest on on my list. Uh, I still, again, three plus stars is not low in my opinion, but this uh, follows 70-year-old Charlotte Perkins. She submits a sexy essay to become a jet set, to be become a jet setter contest where she dreams of reuniting her estranged children, Lee, an almost famous actress, Cord, a handsome Manhattan venture capitalist who can't seem to find a partner, and Regan, a harried mother who took it all wrong when Charlotte bought her a Weight Watchers gift certificate for her birthday. (laughs) Charlotte yearns for the years when her children were young, when she was a single mother who meant everything to them. When she wins the contest, the family packs their baggage, both literal and figurative, and spends 10 days traveling from sun-drenched Athens through glorious Rome to tapas late in Barcelona on an over-the-top cruise ship, the Splendido Marveloso. As lovers new and old join the adventure, long-buried secrets are revealed and old wounds are reopened, forcing the Perkins family to confront the forces that drove them apart and the defining choices of their lives. So again, I do I do love this type of tale, the family sort of saga, secrets, working through your issues, all of course set on a lovely, you know, cruise through Athens and Rome. So this is definitely my type of book. Um, and yeah, that's why it's on my want to read list. It is very interesting to see how a Reese pick can put you at the top of the list or it can put you in in the lowest section as well. 
I am sticking with your comment, Emma, that all of these ratings are subjective, um, but, but because our process of TBRing is different, this is where it will become a little more apparent because uh, most of my lowest rated, I think, still fall in what you described as like perfectly acceptable. But this is a combination of like the first one that I'm going to talk about is one of the oldest books on my to be read list, like truly one of the oldest on my TBR, you know, and then there are some other that are also like some of the most recent additions to my TBR because they're all like 2022. They're all from like random gatherings last year. So I think this is a pretty matching representation of like, what am I most likely to pick up next and where does it fall on the Goodreads trajectory? Uh, But yeah, so my uh, highest of the low and Perhaps the oldest, yeah, the oldest book on this list is Magic by Angie Sage. It's got a 3.85 Goodreads rating of 118,000 reviews. Once again, like that's almost four stars, like far from a a low rating. Uh, But this was published in May of 2005 and it was added to my TBR in September of 2005. This is the first book in the internationally best-selling series featuring the funny and fantastic adventures of a wizard apprentice and his quest to become an extraordinary wizard. This has been on my list forever. I'm pretty sure I actually own all seven books in the series. They are in my library. I had started reading this book because it fit my vibe. It was everything that I loved at the time. You know, it's like young wizard YA, what more could I want? but I couldn't seem to get into it or I would read it, but it wasn't the vibe at the time. So I kept putting it down and, you know, trying to go back to it later. I think it was a bit on the high fantasy for me, but I honestly think the solution is the audiobook version. Uh, The books are gorgeous. And I think I thought I would be missing out at the time because there's illustrations, there's other great things in these books. So I think at the time I was just like, I have to read the physical version only because it was also, it was 2005. So how old was I then? I couldn't even tell you. A tween. (laughs) So uh, that's just just some, some food for thought there. Yeah, 2005. 2005. Also, these came with a CD-ROM, but they were a mini CD-ROM. So it was like that big. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So I honestly, I think this is like coming up next on my TBR. I'm going to switch to the audiobook and uh, see how I feel if I agree with the 3.85. Yeah, so I know it's a little bit of a cop out because it's not super low comparative to um, like some other options, but it's most realistic of a high placement on my TBR. And I wanted to shout out a book that I have been meaning to read for a criminally long time, almost 20 years. And I think that's interesting because I actually was looking through my want to reads and I don't know that any of mine are that old. And it may be because again, of the different ways in which we utilize tools like Goodreads and things like that. I don't know that I go back, I would go back and add something that old, even if I did want to read it, it's probably kept track elsewhere. My next one is Again, a recent, I say recent, the last several years release, and that is Looker by Laura Sims. This has a 3.06 star rating. I added this to my TBR in January of 2019, and this came out in January of 2019. 
it has a little bit higher of a of a review rating and cadence over on Amazon at 3.3 stars. And this again, it sounds absolutely up my street. It was on, you know, the best of lists from places like Vogue and Entertainment Weekly, Southern Living. And this is a sort of psychologically suspenseful thriller that follows a woman who becomes fixated on her neighbor. It's all the things that I'm interested in. And so this has two women who live a few doors apart. A chasm lies between them. The actress, a celebrity with a charmed career, shares a gleaming brownstone with her handsome husband and three adorable children. While the recently separated narrator, unhappily childless and stuck in a dead-end job, lives in a rundown three-story walk-up with her ex-husband's cat. As her fascination with her famous neighbor grows, the narrator's hold on reality begins to slip. Before long, she's collecting cast-off items from the actress's stoop and fantasizing about sleeping with the actress's husband. After a disastrous interaction with the actress at the annual block party, what began as an innocent preoccupation turns into a stunning and irrevocable unraveling. A riveting portrait of obsession, Looker is a sugar-coated poison pill of psychological terror, according to the Wall Street Journal, and an immersive and darkly entertaining read, by the end you'll be gasping, says People. So yeah, this book sounds exactly like my kind of kind of read. And I am intrigued to get to it eventually. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like great and twisty. And I, I, I don't know. I'm very curious to hear your review of it once you read it, because that seems very low. Or a thriller. And I, I suspect that this perhaps is one of those books that people either really love or really hate as with thrillers. They're very, uh-huh. I mean, I guess as with everything, it's very specific to the reader. This is still on my want to read. And um, I certainly am not particularly swayed by uh, Goodreads ratings or anything like that. So yeah, The Looker by Laura Sims. My next pick is Serena by Ron Rash. This was published October 7th, 2008, and it entered my TBR October 2022. Just to quick set the scene, it's 1929 in the North Carolina mountains where George and Serena Pemberton are leading the development in a rural logging town. Unlike any woman the timber empire has ever seen, Serena oversees crews, hunts rattlesnakes, and saves her husband's life in the wilderness. But when Serena learns that she will never bear a child, their intensely passionate marriage begins to unravel. A course of events unfolds that will change the lives of everyone in their rural community and bring this riveting tale of love and revenge to its shocking reckoning. Now, why is this on my TBR? It's a a lovely story. A few of my friends and I get together to watch movies and they've seen 8 million movies. I've probably seen about 12 movies. So they pick an actor and we work through their filmography. Like we'll just dive in. We'll watch every movie by them. Um, They love, they love movies. They love actors and they'll find ones that like, I love this one. I want to watch everything he's done. Um, So we just started this not too long ago with Bradley Cooper the one and only Mr. Bradley Cooper. So I have seen Serena because he starred in it alongside Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, This was in the heyday of their dream team time. Uh, So I'm curious about the book because the movie was a wild ride and I'd like to see the source material in action. 
I'm also noticing that a lot of my TBR seems to be uh, page to screen. <laughs> but you know what? That's how it happens sometimes. Joe, I'm glad you're working your way through all of Bradley Cooper's works. And I would love to hear your take on Serena because I'm, I'm positive that there was a big hullabaloo about the movie at the time as well. So I'd love to know how the book compares. Oh, I will happily let you know. We're, um, I think we only have like 10 Bradley Cooper movies left. That man has been in so many things. So many movies, though. That's like quite an undertaking. Our palate cleanser, because it's the shortest list currently next, I believe we are moving on to Timothy Chalamet. Oh, Chalamet. Because that's only like 10 movies. <laughs> I call it Timothy Shamalama. Exactly. <laughs> so the next one on my lowest rated is How Could She by Lauren Meachling. This has 2.85 stars. I added this to my to be read May 25th of 2019, and this was published June 25th of 2019. It has a 3.4 star rating on Amazon with over 560 ratings as well. So again, I do feel like Goodreads is maybe more prominent in folks that are rating it or, um, you know, more people use it than they would on other sources. So this book is again, sort of in that same, I don't want to say camp, but I will. In in that same camp, this is a contemporary a fiction story, literary fiction. I don't want to call it chick lit, but I do know that that is how people find certain books like this. So um, I guess it fits in that camp. This book again came out in 2019. It is about three old friends who navigate careers, husbands, ex-fiancés, new suitors, and of course their relationships with one another. So again, these are all things that I really enjoy. After a devastating breakup with her fiance, Geraldine is struggling to get her life back on track in Toronto. Her two friends, Sunny and Rachel, left ages ago for New York, where they've landed good jobs, handsome husbands, and unfairly glamorous lives, or at least uh, it appears that way to Geraldine. So we're noticing a theme in all of these books on my sort of lower end of the scale rating. They all sound similar. As she zigzags her way through the downtown art scene and rooftop party circuit, she discovers how hard it is to find her footing in a world of influencers and media darlings. Uh, meanwhile, Sunny's life as an it girl watercolorist is not nearly as charmed as it seems to Geraldine from Toronto. And Rachel is trying to keep it together as a new mom, writer, and wife. How is it that she ha- was more confident and successful at 25 than in her mid-30s? Perhaps worst of all, why are Sunny and Rachel, who've always been suspicious of each other, suddenly hanging out without Geraldine? Hilarious and fiercely observed, How Could She is an essential novel of female friendship, an insider's book into the cutthroat world of New York media, from print to podcasting, and a witty exploration of the ways we can and cannot escape our pasts. It sounds good in my, and it sounds very much of the time, the sort of social media comparison game and the way at which we maybe hold some of our friends at arm's length because of what we perceive to be their success without acknowledging that everyone has challenges. So, I mean, this is definitely up my street in terms of types of books. I am interested, but also maybe not to explore perhaps why the ratings on Goodreads are what they are. But again, I think, you know, three stars is pretty solid. I am now heading into my bottom three. 
So this one, I was surprised to see the rating of. Now, of course, once again, this is a 3.53 out of five. But I, I believe the series was incredibly popular. I once again became aware of it because of a show. But this is The Magicians by Lev Grossman, published August 22nd, 2009 added to my TBR December of 2017. This is a series following Quentin Coldwater. He's brilliant but miserable, a high school math genius. He's secretly fascinated with a series of children's fantasy novels set in a magical land called Fillory. He was unexpectedly admitted to an elite secret college of magic, and it looks like his wildest dreams have come true. But his newfound powers lead him down a rabbit hole of hedonism and disillusionment, and ultimately to the dark secret behind the story of Fillory. The land of his childhood fantasies turns out to be much darker and more dangerous than he ever could have imagined. I saw the show, still haven't read the books, entered my TBR 2017. I know I've borrowed the audiobooks a couple times. It's not a DNF situation. It's just the like other holds have come in where I was like, ooh, that's the vibe I'm in right now. So it's been trolling around for a little bit. Uh, truly have not started it would really like to but uh still waiting for the vibes to be right i guess so once again 3.53 on goodreads but a 4.0 on amazon um a 4.7 at books a million and a 9.1 out of 10 from fantasy book review so guess it just depends uh where you what camp you fall into we're heading into the final two emma what is your second lowest rated on your TBR. Yeah. So this is what's been interesting about this episode is figuring out why or how things happen. And so I have a little bit of insight into this one, but again, none of this dissuades what I want to read. So don't let any of this dissuade what you want to read either. My second lowest rated title on this list is Topics of Conversation by Miranda Popke. This book came out in January of 2020. And I did not add it to my TBR until October of 2020. So I'm not entirely sure what my discovery of this book was, but nonetheless, it has a 2.82 star rating on Goodreads. And what I have sort of gleamed from briefly looking through the Goodreads is that I think this was perhaps the marketing uh, comparing this author or this book to other books, and then it's not really the same. And so folks might go into it with one expectation and then read it and it's another. So we think that's maybe hard for new books when you're comparing them to, you know, this author and this author and this author, and it's their own, their own thing. And I believe this was also a book of the month as well, which certainly exposes it to more readers. But again, doesn't dissuade me. This is on my want to read for a reason. And this is a compact tour de force about sex, violence, and self-loathing from a ferociously talented new voice in fiction, perfect for fans of Sally Rooney, Rachel Cusk, Lydia Davis, and Jenny Offill. Composed almost exclusively of conversations between women, the stories they tell each other, and the stories that they tell themselves, topics of conversation careens through 20 years in the life of an unnamed narrator hungry for experience and bent on upending her life. In exchanges about shame and love, infidelity and self-sabotage, Popke touches upon desire, disgust, motherhood, loneliness, art, pain, feminism, anger, envy, and guilt. Edgy, wry, and written in language that sizzles with intelligence and eroticism, this novel introduces an audacious and immensely gifted new novelist. 
so yeah, Popkey, um, this was her debut at the time, January 2020, Topics of Conversation. It is really interesting to see that the the publicity will really, really get you sometimes. And that Goodreads is kind of the the more critical space. Although, once again, I don't know how you can, I don't know if we can really justify that statement because a lot of like I'm looking at my next one which my second lowest is a Reese's book club pick it's got 3.32 on Goodreads uh, with 73,000 reviews but then compared to Amazon which has 15,000 but it's a 3.8 it's a 3.9 at Target 3.8 at Barnes and Noble like higher everywhere else than Goodreads but Goodreads has like aggregated the most amount of reviews of it um, but this is The Club by Ellery Lloyd. So sometimes. See, and I really want to read this. Yeah. Me too. Like this was at the top of all of my different tags in Libby on the on the to be read front. And I was surprised to see this pop up so low. Like once again, 3.32 is not is not low at all, like considering overall. But I am still surprised uh, by like the difference between like I said, Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, compared to Goodreads. Uh, but this is The Club, Ellery Lloyd. The Home Group is a collection of ultra-exclusive private members clubs and a global phenomenon, and the opening of its most ambitious project yet, Island Home, a forgotten island transformed into the height of luxury, is billed as the celebrity event of the decade. But as the first guests arrive, the weekend soon proves deadly, because it turns out that even the most beautiful people can keep the ugliest secrets. And in a world where reputation is everything, they'll do anything to keep it. If your name's on the list, you're not getting out. So that is, yeah, the club. Emma's got a copy in her hand right now by Ellery Lloyd. 3.32 on Goodreads. And also, like, comparatively, 73,000 reviews. Sure, that's a ton, but it's also not that many compared to some of the others on the Goodreads list. For coming out last year... Yeah. Similar titles on both of our lists have more reviews at a higher rate. So I don't know why people rated this one the way they did on Goodreads, because our, like you had a, a Reese's pick as your your fifth lowest. Yes. And it had more reviews than this does. So very interesting. Very curious. I do. Yeah. It just seems so subjective. Then like, this is certainly yeah. like a tool. I think it's so interesting just to take everything with a grain of salt. Also good to note though, that like all of my books, because most often when a thriller crosses my lap and that's what I want to read, I read it. So I don't have a ton on my TBR. This is one of the few thrillers on my list today. And it fell in one of the low slots, which is the same thing for you. So I think there's definitely a subjective element to the thriller sphere. Well, the time has come. Who is your lowest rated TBR title? The lowest rated t- uh, title on my TBR is The Body Double by Emily Beta. This has a 2.74 star rating with just over a thousand ratings and 200 reviews. So again, not as not nearly as many as some of the other books that we've talked about. So I do think it's interesting in context to see high, low ratings and then how many ratings and sort of scope 
This book was published in March of 2020. I do think that authors had a big hill to climb when they were published in February, March, April, et cetera, of 2020 because of everything happening uh, globally with the pandemic. I think people had uh, a lot of challenges when they published books around the beginning of the global pandemic in 2020. And so this book may have been prey to some of those challenges. For me, I am still very much inclined to read this book. It looks great in my opinion. And I believe it first came onto my radar from our publishing friends at Penguin Random House because I am positive I received an advanced reader copy of this book prior to publication as well. This is sort of in the vein of Hitchcock and Vertigo. So immediately, yes. A strange man discovers our nameless narrator selling popcorn at a decrepit small town movie theater and offers her an odd and lucrative position. She will forget her job, her acquaintances, even her name, and move to Los Angeles where she will become the body double for the famous and troubled celebrity Rosanna Feld. A nervous breakdown has forced Rosanna out of the public eye, and she needs a lookalike to take her place in the tabloid media circus of Hollywood. Overseen by Max, who hired her for the job, our narrator spends her days locked up in a small apartment in the hills, watching hidden camera footage of Rosanna, wearing Rosanna's clothes, eating the food she likes, practicing her mannerisms, learning to become her in every way. But as she makes her public debut as Rosanna, dining at elegant restaurants, shopping in stylish boutiques, and finally risking a dinner party with Rosanna's true inner circle, alarming questions begin to arise. What really caused Rosanna's mental collapse? Will she ever return? And is Max truly her ally or something more sinister? The Body Double is a fabulously plotted noir about fame, beauty, and the darkness of Hollywood. Yes, yes, and yes to all of those things. There's no way that, like, 2.75 does not make sense for that description. Yeah, and again, I do think that thriller mystery books have a harder time. Some people will rate low just entirely off of, oh, I guessed it from the beginning. Sure, if you guessed it from the beginning, like, good for you, but did you enjoy the ride? Like, I, I don't know. I'm, I am less likely inclined to be like, oh, I figured out your twists from the jump and have that be a negative. Sometimes it's negative if the whole thing was bad, but if I figured it out, I'm not mad about that. If the story was good, like if it was compelling, I still enjoy that. Exactly. So again, I think certainly we take all of this with a grain of salt and uh, Joe, let's keep that in mind as we dive into your lowest rated want to read. Yes. So my lowest rated on my TBR is it's just a jump to the left by Libba Bray. It's a short story. I added this. I know. I know the name right there. You're like, wait, there's no way. Lowest rated. Um, It's got 3.06 on Goodreads out of only 289 reviews. And this was released in May of 2015. Now it is higher elsewhere, but with significantly less reviews, uh, like 26 and one. So, you know, I hesitate to, to count those in. Um, but I added this to my TBR in August of 2022. I think it was right after we recorded an episode where I was talking to you about the diviners. And then I went, oh, well, I did like those. I'm in the mood for like more of Libba's writing. So I looked her up 
I saw this one. I am a huge Rocky Horror Picture Show fanatic. I was one of these kids who, I'll give you a description in a second here, but who loved it. It was a big part of our high school experience. And so I was like, this sounds cute. I, I want to read it. The lips are on the cover. Like, I'm here for it. So this follows best friends Agnes and Lita. Uh, they have a Friday night ritual. They spend an hour trying on different lipsticks, experimenting with eyeliner, and torturing their hair before they head off to the Cineplex for the midnight showing of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. That was always the routine until Agnes started dating Roger and left Lita behind. But between Lita's awkward first kiss, her crush on Tom, the cute guy at the movie theater, and her absentee dad, everything feels so out of control. She could really use her best friend right now. Can Agnes and Lita find their way to a new and better friendship? So this is short story by the New York Times bestselling author of, as I said, The Diviners, Libba Bray, where she revisits a time when we all felt stuck somewhere between childhood and adolescence. I mean, to me, this sounds super cute. It's a short story, friendship drama, Rocky Horror Picture Show. I'm still sold. Um, I'm definitely, after I read this one, going to go through and read the reviews on this because I'll be curious to see what other people thought. But yeah, so that is currently the lowest rated on my TBR. I love Libba Bray. Me too. I think she's fantastic. Well, Emma... What a ride. <laughs> what a what a wild ride. Emma, thank you for sharing your TBR with me or a little glimpse into it. We were looking at the highest and lowest rated according to Goodreads. I want to remind everyone, ratings are entirely subjective. We're not here to like bash any of these books. We have read none of them. We have no commentary to provide. And I know we've said it this whole time, but like, these ratings don't sway me. Are a movie ratings, movies ratings a little more likely to sway me? Probably, but I've seen 12 movies. It's hard for me to watch them (laughs) anyway, but, but Goodreads ratings, grain of salt. We talked about it at the top of review bombing for any number of reasons. We've talked about like, you're going to love what you love. I mean, I think just remember, give those books a shot. And if anything, look at this as more of a, a, like, curious bit of fun fact to look at your TBR with and go like, whoa, I can't believe this book that I'm maybe most excited for is rated so low. And then after you read it, after you cross that one off your to be read list, go in and see why it was rated that way. See what you agree with or what you disagree with. I think it's a really cool way to look at how we're reading books. Yeah. And one of the reasons that I know we wanted to talk about this, use our own TBRs for this, is that it is a prompt on the Professional Book Nerds Reading Challenge for 2023. And so we wanted to use our books and our lists, obviously, as an example. And we would love to hear the ways in which you keep track of the books that you want to read. And we'd be curious to know if you take a look what your highest rated are, what your lowest rated are, and if that's in line with what you would have thought, or if those ratings match, again, what you would have thought after you read them. Um, Again, all grain of salt. This is all hopefully in good fun. Um, Just another way to look at the bookish world. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, We can't wait to hear about your TBRs in our email. 
And as always, happy reading. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on Overdrive.com or in Libby. Our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer and Joe Skelly and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.